So good to be here with you in God's house today. I'd like to remind you, immediately following the service, we're going to have some refreshments. It's going to be a party for Nana, and uh, we're just going to love on her. And uh, she's meant so much to this church body for so many years, and we should honor her in that way. So let's plan on doing that. If you can uh, at least spend a few minutes also and let you know there's no service tonight. I have a method in my madness, <laughs> but no service tonight. Uh, take your Bibles and open to the book of First Corinthians, if you will. First Corinthians. Been praying about when to start this series that I'm going to begin today. It's a series of lessons that I found, and Alice and I have been studying through, and uh, it's so appropriate for us at this point in time for this church body. It's appropriate for any church body. And I submit that what we're going to speak about, begin speaking about today, is something that many fundamental churches, churches that preach and teach God's Word, don't have a grasp on, don't understand the importance of it. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I guess I'll turn there as well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, What we had done a few months ago, we, I started in 1 Corinthians, and we started preaching on Sunday nights, 1 Corinthians. Can anybody tell me what was unique about the Corinthian church? What kind of church was it? Very good. It was a carnal church. And I remember we made the point that the city had invaded the church instead of the church invading the city and they had allowed the ways of the city the carnalities of the world to come in to the church so the first 11 chapters the apostle paul had written and he's dealing with those things all those things that were going wrong what to do but let me read these first three verses and then we'll get into it, it says now concerning spiritual gifts i'm in chapter 12 verse 1 of chapter uh, of 1 Corinthians. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, he's speaking to the Christians. He said, I would not have you ignorant. Now that's not a bad word. If you've ever been called ignorant, it just simply means you don't know. You don't know. Now that has been used kind of slanderously at me from times. You're just ignorant, Don. But he said, I don't want you not to know these things. He says, you know that ye were carried, you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. It's going to be a different lesson. It's going to be more teaching, some preaching in here. But let's learn together what we as individual members mean to this body and let's try to get a hold and grasp what we are to be doing as an individual member in this body let's pray as i pray you pray our father thank you so much for a beautiful day you've given us this is the day that you've made and so i'm going to rejoice and god i'm going to be glad in it that doesn't mean i don't have any problems or troubles 
I'm just going to be glad in it. Because why? Because you're my God, almighty God. I pray, God, that as we've gathered here together, we have the promise that you're here with us, that, God, you do a work in our heart and life. God, it has to begin with me. But back there in the congregation, Lord, it's got to begin in each individual person's heart. They've got to allow you access. God, may we not allow our minds to be clouded and cluttered with things that we're going to do this week or that we got to do today. Uh, God, may we dedicate this time to you. I pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 12, verse 1 through probably uh, chapter 14 through the end of the chapter is some of the most interesting, important, and yet controversial uh, sections of scriptures that we have. I believe in our fundamental circles we've kept ourselves from this passage due to other religious movements because we're talking about gifts this morning. Immediately everyone's mind probably floods to the speaking in tongues which we know that was for a time in the first century but when the Word of God was made perfect that ceased. Well, but we need to go through the Bible and try to interpret the meaning and the use of spiritual gifts. Uh, so we're going to try this. So we need to talk about the church just a little bit. Is this real loud or is it just me? I can hear myself. It bothers me. Nothing has been more abused and misunderstood in Christianity than this whole area of spiritual gifts. And it's critical that we understand them because how they are absolutely vital to the church. It's so important. We've, we've learned how to come into the church building. We've learned how to put our tie on or put our shirt on, get all the buttons buttoned right, you know. How many of you have ever come to church and you've got, oops, I misbuttoned that. <laughs> it has to be buttoned differently. But we know how to do these things. We come in. But once we're here, what do we do? What do we do? There's nothing more vital than uh, the ministry that God has for the believer here in the church. There's some misconceptions of the church. Some misconceptions. Some people think that the church is a highly visible, uh, like I think of the Catholic church, for example, and how that you have uh, priests, and then you have the cardinals, and you have the pope, and you know a, a bunch of hierarchy in there that's running that. Uh, some people think that the church is a uh, some place that you go in your uh, area, in your neighborhood, designed to help to meet the needs of others. I know our, our brothers down here, they'll disperse food out to the community, to those that need. Other people think that the church building going up across the street is something that they don't like, and they'd rather see it torn down. Uh, some think that a church is a place that that's where you go to get married. Oh, that's where I'm going to go get baptized. Uh, and it's nothing more than a social club and, and let's go party. Well, we're Baptists. We don't necessarily party. We eat. We eat. But in a sense, some of, there's an element of truth in all those. The make of the church. Uh, we need to establish at the very beginning of this study and get it settled in your mind that biblically, biblically, the church is seen as a living organism 
The church is alive. Well, that threw me back. Doug Oldham. <laughs> I remember Doug Oldham. Oh, years ago, Jerry Falwell. Anyway, he used to sing about a church. The church is alive, and the church is alive. It is the body of Christ. Christ is the head of the living body, and we are members of that body. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. The church is not a human institution. It wasn't made by man, although there are man-made religions. But it was not made by man. It's an organism. It's alive. So if I were to ask you, is the church dead or alive, you'd have to say it's alive. Very good. It's an organism. By the way, it's eternal. It's eternal. The church cannot die. It's eternal and supernatural. Its head is Christ who lives forevermore. And its members, you and I who have received Christ as our personal Savior, have been given what? Eternal life. It cannot die. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Go ahead and turn there if you will. <clears throat> Matthew 16, 18. Like this is my Bible. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus talking. If we drop back down to 16, it says, it says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, back to himself, will I, I will build my church. And what's it say? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell could not destroy the church. The church is indestructible. The church is eternal. And yes, the church is supernatural. The supernatural character of the church is manifest it manifested in many ways. We worship a supernatural God. Do you realize that? Supernatural God. We believe that down through history and human history, there was a supernatural intervention that happened in the terms of the revelation of God's Word and the living Christ. We believe in a supernatural Holy Spirit that lives within us. See, now, a lot of Baptists, that's about as far as we're going to go talking about the Holy Spirit, it seems like, sometimes. Not all, but we, seem, we tend to shy away from this because of what we've got out there in the world around us. We're the result of a supernatural transformation. It's made us new creatures. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, 2 Corinthians 5.17. We've been given by the Holy Spirit a supernatural endowment. Endowment simply means this, a quality or ability possessed or inherited by someone. It's been gifted to us, or gifts, which we can minister within the organism of the building, or the church, and the edifying, which is instruction of the church. That's why we're here. We don't just come and sit. 
Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts have a critical function. Since the church has been given these gifts by the Spirit of God for the ministry of edification, for the ministry of evangelism, they then become critical in its operation. That's why we must understand spiritual gifts. And we must understand that Satan counterfeits these gifts. Satan is the great counterfeiter. Everything that God would put up, he would try to put up a substitution, something just off a little bit. What did he say in the garden to Eve? Hast thou God said? He changed it just a little bit. Put a little doubt, seed of doubt in our mind. He counterfeits these gifts. And they're absolutely necessary to the life and function of the church. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. Minister your gift one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You see, the church is not a spectator sport. I love sports. I love baseball. I enjoy baseball. I'm the, I'm the guy that can sit there with the pitchers dueling in a 0-0 batter, a 0-0 contest in the ninth inning with no hits. I mean, a lot of people say, I need to see a bunch of hits. I want to see the ball hit out of the park. I just love the game. I sit there and I can watch it. I enjoy watching the playoffs, whether it's basketball, football, baseball. I enjoy that because I can't play it anymore. But I enjoy sitting and watching it. But, folks, church is not a spectator sport. We don't come here just to sit. And yet, many times we do. We're very active and we're very busy in everything else that we're doing and we've all got things going on in our life, that's understood. But God has put you in this body for a reason, for a purpose. The church is a living, breathing organism that functions as life and breath on the basis of the ministry of each other to minister to others. That's why the church is seen as a body and every one of us as a member of that body. You might be the big toe. Heaven forbid I'm the toe jam, you know. But I'm part of the body. I'm part of the body. We have a function. We have a function. And, and, and God puts these things together. God is well organized. And he puts these things together. And he makes us work in harmony. In harmony. I can remember years ago, my brother Jimmy and I, and Ronnie Hood, got up to sing a special. We just wanted to sing a special. We were teenagers. Um, Jimmy and Ronnie, about three years older than me, and Ronnie had a stutter. And we got started, and he couldn't get going. <laughs> and we just laughed, and we had a good time. And we sang. I don't think there was much harmony going on. There's nothing more special Precious. We were listening to some Christian music this morning, and it was a group that was singing a cappella. It means without any instrument, and it was just beautiful. Have you ever listened to somebody sing, two or three people singing, and they're singing loud, and somebody's not harmonizing? You know, they're praising the Lord, and they're happy, but they're not harmonizing. There's something a little off about that. God intends for us within this body to be in harmony to be in harmony. 
we should be in symphony with every other member. That means we're getting along with every other member. If you're not getting along with every other member, let me tell you something. You've got a problem in your heart. You've got a problem in your heart. And I'm not the daddy here, but I am the pastor. Get it right. Get it right. We're not here to play games. It's critical to understand how all this works and what it is. Sometimes we come here and we think it's all about me. It's all about me. Oh, they would just fall off the block <laughs> if I were not a part of the church. I played baseball with a guy like that. He was a great ball player. But he felt like the whole thing revolved around him. Guess what? It didn't. He went his way and we went on and we were extremely successful. We are a body that's supposed to be in harmony. And we must also understand now how that Satan counterfeits. And we must learn to recognize the counterfeit as opposed to, to the genuine gift. There's many questions about spiritual gifts. And folks, I've got notes here that'll take me through three messages. So we're not gonna, I'm not going to be long but I'm going to try to get to a point and stop, and we'll pick up again. But many questions surround spiritual gifts. What are the spiritual gifts? How many are they? Are they all important? How many do I have? How do I get them? How do I know what they are? Can I seek certain gifts? What about miraculous gifts like languages or speaking in tongues and healing? Are they still in operation? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Does every Christian possess the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Are all gifts still in operations? Can the gifts be counterfeited? What is the most important gift? And all these questions we need to go through and try to deal with. Let's go back and now do a little bit of background on the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church, when you do that, you kind of get into the history of what was going on at the time. You get into the grammatical, uh, which is not my strong suit, so I have to read up on these things. Finding out the, about the tenses of the verbs that are being used is written in the Greek. And so you look at it, and you try to, with here, we're going to try to find out what Paul was saying back at this time. So the church at Corinth was established by the Apostle Paul during his second missionary journey. He spent 18 months there. 18 months there. And during that time, he established the saints, built up the church, fought his enemies. And then when his time was time to go, he left. And so they had some other pastors, some other elders that came in and took over to minister to them. But there was a problem at Corinth. There was a problem at Corinth. Not long after Paul had left, there was severe moral and sp spiritual problems that developed in the Corinthian church. And they were so severe, in fact, that this first letter to the Corinthians deals exclusively with these problems. Like I said, we went through the first 11 chapters dealing with these problems. How did Paul find out about this? Well, go ahead and turn back <coughs> to, if you're 1 Corinthians, go back to chapter one. <coughs> First Corinthians 1 and verse 11 says, For it hath been declared unto me 
of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Well, they got back to him and wrote him and said, hey, there's some things going on that's not right. Some things that are going on that's not right. Oh, somebody might say, well, they're just tattletelling. No. They had a love for the pure word of God and what was to be done and how the church was to be run. And they were concerned. And so they called back to the apostle. Let's turn over to chapter 16. Chapter 16 and verse 17. It says, I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus, Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. Here are three people who came from the Cong uh, Corinthian assembly with information uh, regarding the church. Now go back to chapter 7. <clears throat> in the first part of that, in, in verse 1, it says, now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me. Apparently those three folks brought a letter which had asked some further questions. Now these three particular sources that the, the Apostle Paul was informed about the problems that were occurring in this assembly. And in response to the letter, the information from Chloe and the three others, he begins the first chapter in the book of 1 Corinthians. So we, we know it's 1 Corinthians. To solve these problems on paper giving them the information for solving, for actually solving them. You know, if you're ever presented with a problem, how many say, I'd just like to keep in that problem all the time? No, that's silly. We want to solve the problem. And that's what they were trying to do here in 1 Corinthians. Now, cases like these, a lot of times people don't know they're having a problem, and you have to let them know. The severity of their problems it's inconceivable to think that one church could have so many problems. Not really. <laughs> Not really. You know, uh, folks, I was talking to somebody the other day and the other work that I do, and the question came up about a problem. I said, oh, I said, if you're dealing with people and equipment, just figure on there's going to be a problem. There's going to be a problem. But we will deal with it. We will meet it head on. We will take it to task. And we'll try to get it right. The severity of their problem. I doubt very seriously that any of us here would go out this afternoon and on purpose do a crime. I mean... Whatever that crime is that comes to your mind, you might be thinking, I'm going to you know, rob the bank, or I'm going to uh, steal a car, or I'm going to, and you fill in the blank. You fill in the blank. But you know, Christian, we need to understand that we have crimes against the Spirit. We do a crime. I wouldn't want to do a crime against my brother Tim. And I don't think he'd want to do a crime against me. And yet we do crimes against God's Holy Spirit all the time. All the time. Chapter 1. Go back to chapter 1. Verses 10 and 11. We're talking about crimes against the Holy Spirit of God. 
Well, I didn't do that. 10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. Well, okay. We're proclaiming the name of the Lord. We're saying that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, paid the penalty of the sin of all men. Praise God. We all line up there. But somewhere along the line, we start splitting off because it goes and he says about this church that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you. Now listen, folks. You get more than two people together and sometimes in my case, I can be divided against myself. Don't laugh because if you've got that old man working in you and the Holy Spirit, you're divided against yourself too. That there be no divisions among you. What's a division? They want to do it this way. I want to do it this way. You know, when you're in tune with God's Holy Spirit, you're in tune with God's Holy Spirit, and somebody over here, and you're, and you're sitting and you're talking about something, and somebody over here says, you know, but I see it this way. And they're in tune with God's Holy Spirit. Back over here, you know what you do? Holy Spirit? What about that? Is that? That's a good idea. I yield my spirit to your spirit, which you're in tune with the Holy Spirit. Why? What happens? There's no division there. No division there. I don't care if this auditorium was per painted uh, purple with the uh, green dots. I really don't care. Well, I kind of do. <laughs> kind of do. But it's not going to be a dividing point for me. I'm not going to divide fellowship over that. I'm not going to have a problem with my brother or sister in Christ because they don't see it just the way I do it. Hey, the Bible talks about being the stronger brother, yielding. That's no big deal. Now, we'll battle you over a cheese on a hamburger, okay? And then it says, but that she be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Alice and I have disputes. We will banter back and forth. Yes, and at times even argue. But we're doing it in an effort to have the same mind. We're working at it to have the same mind. That's not to say that you're always going to agree with the person you're sitting by or working with or at church. But there should be down deep in your heart a yielding to the Holy Spirit where you go, I am working to be of the same mind. Verse 11 says, For it hath been declared unto me, you, my brethren, by them which of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Hey, there are contentions at McKeever Baptist Church. I can say that without even knowing anything. Get it right. Get it right. Do what's right. Do what's right. They had human wisdom. They were using their own human wisdom in verses 18 through 25 of that same chapter. They, they were, the church at Corinth was using human wisdom, human reasoning, instead of God's wisdom. You go back to chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. They were dealing with human personality cliques. Human personality. Let me flip over there real quick. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, Now, this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of, a, I am of Paul. I am of Paul. But then he goes on and says, And somebody else is saying, I of Apollos. And somebody else is saying, I of Cephas. And I of Christ. And he asks the question, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He goes and he says, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name, and I baptized also the household of Stephanas. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made none effect. We have a tendency to get into our little groups. I, I'm real comfortable around these people. Why you have a lot of similarities? But I don't, I'm not real comfortable around these group of people because why? You don't seem to have much in common. In church, we have Christ and the Holy Spirit in common. That should be the main thing that brings us together. In chapter 3, talked about carnality. I'll just read. It says, and in verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. I've got to kind of come along and just kind of pat you on the rump here. Pat you on the rump. Come over here. Let's do it this way. Let's, let's do it this way. When he needed to give them the meat of the word, and he wanted to teach them, but they couldn't take it. Why? They hadn't grown in the Lord. How long have you been saved? Has your spirituality, have you grown in the Lord in this last year? In this last month? In this church there's also sexual perversion. There's fornication. There was incest. Worldliness. Lawsuits. They were so happy. They sued everyone. They rebelled against the authority of the apostles. Alice and I are going through the Bible, and as we're going through the Bible, we go, oh, there's the apostles' doctrine. We're saying, this is what I said to do. There was marital conflicts. There were unmarried conflicts. There was abuse of liberty. I can do this. I can do this. Well, yeah, you can do anything you want within the bounds of law. And we're good about doing that within the bounds of law of man, but we're not good about doing that within the bounds of law of God. Idolatry. Oh, here's one. Pride. Pride. See, all this is found in these first 11 chapters. He's dealing with this church that was carnal. They were carnal. How could they expect God to bless and how in the world could they expect to use the gifts of God that they'd given them? Selfishness. They worship demon. Insubordination of women. They wouldn't put on. Abuses of what role God intended for a man to have versus a woman. God created Adam and Eve, folks. There are two sexes. There's male and female. That's it. They abused the Lord's Supper. 
and on and on and on. They've managed to drag into their church life all of the features of at that time the former the former pagan pagan existence. They had not made a clear cut separation. Now it's easy to come into church and fool everybody here. He dresses nice, he looks nice, she looks nice. They say the right words. We know all the right words to say. But when you get away by yourself, can it be said of you that you have made a clear cut separation? You want to see God do something in your life? You want to see this church grow? You want to see God add to this body? In your personal walk, make sure there's a clear-cut separation from this world and its activity and God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Well, I need to be with my friends, and I need to... That's fine. Christ sent with sinners, but Christ didn't sin with sinners. And that's the difference. We get in there, and what happens? I saw somebody on a team that I played on years ago, and somebody I know very well, and another man, a man named Tom, came in. He was a pastor, and he came, and he talked to me. He says, I want to be an encouragement to this guy here. And I said, well, praise the Lord. And you know what I watched? As over a period of time, there was a distinct change. Although the change was not in the person that needed to change. It was a change in the pastor. He began to smoke. He began to drink. He left his wife. What happened? He hadn't separated. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. 1 Corinthians 1.7a again. So that she come behind in no gift. In other words, they had everything. They had everything. They lacked nothing. McKee Road Baptist Church has everything this morning. We lack nothing. We lack nothing. And in spite of all that, with all the knowledge they should have, in spite of all the knowledge that we should have, with all the gifts that they had, the gifts that we have within this body that we don't even recognize, we're ignorant of how they should function. We're ignorant because I'm bringing you back. As a body, we work together in symphony. We harmonize one with another and we mesh together and we make this body move forward, which is the strongest force in the world. There was confusion of the spirit. The concept of the Holy Spirit dominated their thinking but it manifested itself in a counterfeit, in a counterfeit gift. I think I'm going to close here. I'm going to have every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We've gone back to 1 Corinthians because we want to identify what a carnal church was. But now we're getting to the point where we want to identify what the gifts are. We're trying to get a grasp, a hold of that the church is a living organism. Nothing will destroy the church. The church is eternal. God's eternal. My salvation in him, I'm eternal in that regard. 
Now I need to understand that I have a gift that God has given me. And you're a member of this church. And you think, well, I just decided to become a member. I submit to you that God is in control. And that God has fitly joined this body together and brought people together in this body for a specific reason. And if you are not being an active part of that body, you're not doing what God intended for you to do. It's not a spectator sport. We don't just come to sit and listen. Well, yes, we do come to sit and listen, drink in the Word of God. But we come to listen, to hear, to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit's wooing in our life, and then we go. And then we go. Makiro Baptist Church, I want so badly for this body to grow in the Lord, to learn to wholly and fully love the Lord their God, to learn how to walk a separated life, to learn how to use the gift that God has given them. Why? Because if we do, and if we're all in tune with God's Holy Spirit, if we're all of the same mind, if we're all of the same accord, we're headed the same direction, guess what? God will bless. It's as simple as that. I really want you to examine your heart this morning and ask yourself the question, not your neighbor, but you. Am I doing what God wants me to do? Is God pleased with my activity within the body that he has put me into? You can reason that away. I'll tell you something, folks. I'm 68 now. My time is much shorter than when I first started. I don't want to walk into heaven ashamed. I want so badly to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. How about you? Father, I ask that you would have your will and way in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you